here with Dr. Petrie and uh, some interesting uh, details have come out uh, in relation to COVID just recently. So we're just going to discuss those. So Dr. Petrie, what, what is the uh, interesting data? So it's, um, we're obviously learning quite a lot about COVID, but new information to me is its association with erectile dysfunction. Uh, it would appear that there is a six-fold increase in erectile dysfunction for people who've suffered from COVID. It is also interesting to work out why that might be. We do know that COVID can cause inflammation around the heart and increase the risk of heart disease. So that is often a, a, a precursor for erectile dysfunction. We also know that testosterone levels are lower when someone has suffered from COVID. Um, and it wouldn't be surprising to think that people who've had COVID might suffer from some anxiety or depression, which is probably the commonest factor of all in erectile dysfunction. So I think it's important if people observe that after COVID that they talk to someone and work out which of those areas are involved. So that if it's the heart, we can it's a priority to try and remedy any of the heart issues and it's their mental health well it might be reassuring to know what it is and we could help them develop some strategies to deal with it okay that's great um going forwards do you think that there'll be more and more issues uh, affecting health discovered as a result of covid it's a, it's a new disease um and therefore we're learning all the time. I mean, there are some traits for all sort of post-viral conditions, fatigues, that we've got lessons already learnt, but this is a strongly inflammatory process and journey which causes some quite unique problems, a higher incidence of stroke, higher incidence of heart disease. You can identify inflammation in the lungs long after COVID is thought to have disappeared. And a rather obscure trial in Italy showed that there were virus remnants in the penis six or eight months after COVID. So one never knows quite how long these problems are going to be going. But I'd be happy to embark on that journey with patients. And in terms of to have a vaccine or not, of course, we always leave that to the patient's choice. Um, but bearing in mind the latest data, um, what were your thoughts on that? I think there's no doubt for society we, we do need to have as many people vaccinated as possible and I know um, we're still debating whether teenagers should have it really for the benefit of society rather than for them individually. The interesting concept at the moment is whether we have a booster jab because I believe the scientists feel that rich countries shouldn't be using all the vaccine but we should be giving it to poorer countries so that we're less likely to get variants which will destroy our vaccine programme. I think there is good evidence developing that some people's immunity is diminishing and that there are people who are immunocompromised anyway. So I think a booster for a section of society, possibly the over 50s, is likely to happen in the autumn. And most interesting of all, it'll be an opportunity to mix and max vaccines the vaccines as it would appear that using a variety of vaccines may improve our overall immunity. That's great and um, would you 
Oh, well, obviously here at My Specialist GP, we do offer a blood test to assess your level of response to the vaccine. Um, would you sort of recommend that or maybe wait to see what the situation around boosters um, is going to be? I think it would be very useful, but that depends on you as a person. If there are some people with sort of health anxieties, I think it could be a negative thing. But for a lot of us, I think it would be helpful to know, if, if no more than to guide us about how far we should be isolating ourselves in the in the winter months and it would be nice to think that maybe during the winter we could maybe use the evidence of a low immunity on a blood test to put ourselves forward for a booster vaccine okay that's great thank you